7.45 on a Saturday morning. It's that time where we have a wine chat with our friend Jack Farrell from Haskell's Morning Jack. How are you, Denny? I'm doing fine. There's more smiles around because I'm seeing actually temperatures that are going to be in the 50s by the end of the week. How about that? Isn't that great? Yeah. But, you know, old Mother Nature will take another swat at us oh, yeah. before we're finished with this winter season or even spring. Yeah. I was asked the other day about wine labels. And, you know, you can't judge a book by its cover. You certainly can't judge a wine by the label. And the problem with that is, you know, there's a preponderance of wine labels around. It's almost embarrassing how many people have decided to label wines, etc., and put them out of the public. And, you know, you never should buy a wine because you're because the label looks cutesy to you. However, there is information on labels, particularly when the wine is pretty good, that really can help you in your decision to purchase a wine. Um, you know, they went through this cutesy animal phase with Australian wines because of uh, penguins and uh, yellowtails and all these funny kangaroos and you name it. And, and it almost killed the Australian wine business in the United States. All those cutesy animal labels, they've gotten away from that, thank heavens. And there's really some fabulous wines coming from Australia. But again, you have to read the label. And there's a lot of information on the label. And back label, too. And as a matter of fact, the better the wine, the more information on the label. Uh, you, you want to make a close examination of the label because there's some critical things on there. You know, the the country, obviously, where the wine is from, the type of grape that's from, who produced the grape, uh, who, uh, uh, you know, was the winemaker, which company uh, is behind this grape. You know, there's a Gallo must own, gal. I'll bet you 30 wineries alone uh and and gallo name is a very fine name in the wine business you know uh, many years ago ernest gallo came to my office and he said to me john i want to go into the fine wine business what should i do and i said change your name and he banged on my desk so hard i think he raised it off the ground never and uh, what they've done and indeed, you, when you see Gallo on the label, it's usually a pretty high-quality wine. And the lesser-quality stuff have other labels. Plus, Gallo in the last 15 years has gone on a spree where they bought wineries such as Miraso and McMurray, etc. And they're really making some very, very fine wines. But you want to know who made the wine. And the, like I say, that is on the label. And you also want to know, did they just buy it in bulk? and Paul could put a label on it, that that happens all too often. Uh, you really want to have the information on the wine. And when you do that, obviously the requirements in different countries are totally different. To put Cabernet Sauvignon on it in our country, you have to have 75% Cabernet in there. In other words, if you label a, a, a wine... Uh, by a varietal name, whether it's Zinfandel, Chardonnay, or Cabernet, uh, you have to have 75% of that grape varietal in the bottle. And uh, that's a different regulation country by country. Uh, you can also get the allergen 
reports on some wines, you know, is, contains sulfides if you're allergic, uh, etc. And the alcohol content, this is another vague area. In the United States, that's required. However, they also give you almost a 2% leeway. In other words, if something says it is 12.5% alcohol, it could be almost 15%, 14.5%. So uh, you can't trust that entirely because they allow that leeway on it. Uh, Europeans were late to come to the varietal labeling of wines. And, I, and in the United States, as a matter of fact, Alexis Lachine and Frank Sunmacher, who were two importers 40 years, 50 years ago in the United States, are really the two fellows that were responsible for American wines being labeled by varietal. Because we used to sell all the wine in the United States as Burgundy, Chablis, uh, Chianti, etc., which are place names in Europe. And they mean something over there. And they didn't really mean anything here except the color of the wine or what they thought the quality was. And between Sunmacher and Lachine, they got everybody to put the varietal on the label. We can thank them for that because now many, many countries in the world are putting varietals on the label. In fact, France, which was really responsible for that, now you can buy a Pinot Noir from Burgundy that's labeled Pinot Noir, you know, in Burgundy. Pinot Noir is the only red grape that's produced. The same thing with Chardonnay. They make a little wine called Aligoté, but that's very small and insignificant. But if you buy, it, for example, a Poulini Montrachet or Chasson Montrachet or even uh, uh, something like a Merceau, you, it's all 100% Chardonnay if it came from Burgundy. And then that same thing is true of the red wines, whether it's Latache or little Santenay, it's Pinot Noir. And like I said, they've changed, and the Burgundians put the varietal on the label, which they weren't allowed to do only in very, very small print up until about 22 years ago. So the the labels are, are different by country, as you can well imagine. The wines from Spain and Portugal, for example, you're insured the authenticity of the wine by a seal on the label. Same thing in Italy. They have very, very strict regulations in most of the countries on their wine. And there are appellation laws all over Europe where the wine comes from, what the wine can be called, is the wine uh, a simple varietal or is a blend. In California, they came up with this name Meritage, which was a blend uh, like Bordeaux. And, you know, all the Bordeaux wines have been blended forever. You know, it's a mixture of Cabernet, Merlot, Cabernet Franc, a few other varietals, very small and significant. In fact, Malbec was originally one of those blending grapes uh, from Bordeaux and went on to stellar fame uh, in South America. And the Malbecs today are marvelous, uh, but you wouldn't want a Malbec unless you uh, were specific in a particular spot in France where Malbec is the principal grape type. The German wines, you know, they they were so specific many, many years ago that they actually went on a kick about 35 years ago to simplify their uh, wine labels. It used to tell you what barrel it came from, etc., in German labels. But every country 
has regulations, and ours does too. And any wine to be sold in the United States has to be registered with the federal government. And unfortunately, our registration laws on the labels aren't quite as thick or as stringent as they are in many other countries. So we get a lot of wine, the bulk wine, that gets bottled with a fancy label and the fancy price that really isn't anything more than plunk. So you really have to not only uh, read the wine labels a little bit, you have to understand uh, your wine merchant and who you're dealing with so you don't get that type of thing. You know, one of the things I always tell people when I used to teach class, which I'm retired from now, uh, is uh, the label on a wine is a little bit like a target on a bullseye. The further you go out, for example, we could have wine, Minnesota wine. Then you could have Hennepin County wine. And then you could have, say, Minneapolis wine. And then you could have Shea Farrell a wine. Uh, So Shea Farrell has my name on it. It's from my vineyard. The next step up, it's obviously uh, in Minneapolis, in Hennepin County, in Minnesota. So... The closer you get to the center of the bullseye, or more specifically, where the wine is made, the, generally the higher the quality. If you had Minnesota wine, it'd be probably just okay. A Hennepin County wine be just a little bit better than Minnesota wine labeling, and obviously, the Minneapolis would be so better than the uh, just Hennepin County, and the Shea Farrell would be, be the best of all. And that's pretty much how you read a Bordeaux label, because they're all like that with the different Chateau and the Appalachian, etc. But California is a little bit like the, the same way. If you're buying Cabernet, uh, California Cabernet could come from anywhere. Sometimes they put on the label, you know, that it's uh, uh, specifically Napa Valley. That's always better than just a broad uh, swatch of the pen on California Cabernet because it came from Napa Valley. Then it, did it come from a specific part of Napa Valley? For example, like Diamond Creek, Volcanic Hill, his specific vineyard there. And Diamond Creek bottled, he's the producer, and he made the wine. So, like I said, reading wine labels is not a, a very difficult thing. The more you know about a wine, I think the more you appreciate it. And every now and then you probably can make a find on one of these plonk wines that you happen to like, and there's nothing wrong with that. But there shouldn't be any misleading information on the wine label, and unfortunately that is a little bit of a problem. There are also allergen warnings on wines that are kind of important too, particularly for people that have allergies, and they want to be aware of that. Uh, Some wines, uh, my good friend, Chapoutier in the Rhone Valley puts all his labels in Braille so blind people can enjoy what the, reading a wine label. Now, you d- certainly don't have to do that, uh, but I'll tell you, wine labels are a fun, interesting thing, and it's very, very important. You have to learn to trust certain importers. Like, for example, if you like Louis Latour wines from Burgundy or Boisset from Burgundy, if their name's on the bottle, you can be sure of high-quality wines because they put their name on the bottle. So, like I say, reading wines is a little bit like reading a book or reading anything. The more detail there, usually the better it is. 
And I failed to ask you this last week, Jack, and I know we're almost out of time, so maybe someday in the future, the text, the email we got, is there a wine for dummies book? Sometimes I like to have there, some wine, but I don't know is. what to pick. Yeah, I, th- I, told, I answered. I think I've seen one, but maybe we can talk about uh, books next, uh, next week or two. What do you what, think? What, learning about wine, like I say, is not very difficult. You're going to have to learn a little bit of geography, but you do that already with yeah. Maine lobsters and Idaho potatoes, etc. And it's the same thing with wine. It's not that complicated. And like I say, if you know a little bit, it makes your enjoyment that much more key, is, in, in fact, my opinion. You're absolutely right. Well, I'll tell you what, don't be confused. If you want a little help, any one of the Haskell's folks will be glad to help you out. Indeed. As a matter of fact, today they've got a special on Woodward Chardonnay. It's a BOGO at nine ninety nine. Just a marvelous little bottle of Chardonnay for $5. That's a genuine steal. There's a Haskell's near you where you can get not only that, but maybe you need some wines for the hockey tournament or the basketball tournament. Uh, they'll help you pick out some wonderful wines to go with whatever you're having. The folks at Haskell's love to talk about wine. They love to pair wine. And best of all, they pair wines that won't break the bank. So there's a Haskell's near you where you can save big dollars on Saturday. Haskell's in Bloomington, Chanhassen. There's a Haskell's in downtown Excelsior in Faribault right off of 35. Our super seller in Maple Grove is not to be missed. It's a shopper's paradise. In Minneapolis, we have free parking on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, There's Haskell's at Ridgedale, Plymouth, St. Paul's Highland Village, Stillwater, White Bear Lake, and Woodbury, too. If you can't come into Haskell's, go to Haskell's.com or go to WCCO.com slash wine, and it'll take you right to the Haskell's website where you can explore the vineyards of the world right on our website in the comfort of your own home. As we say goodbye, Jack, I just got a text from a listener said, heading to Sonoma with the Ferrells. Yay! That's coming up in about seven weeks or so from yes. now. So they're excited. Yes. In seven, we just think you'll be in that glorious sunshine oh. in Sonoma Valley. Looking forward to it. And I look forward to uh, t- chatting with you next week, Jack. I'm going to look forward to it as well, Denny. Thank Thanks. you. Thanks, Jack Farrell from Haskell's next week with another wine chat.